of the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. My name is Zach Kroll, here with you guys on a Thursday, September 15th, 2021, people, and let's have a day. Another show is here. It is time to talk some football as we have some loaded, loaded, loaded action here today to talk about with the NFL Football coming up this week after a crazy week one. So many things to talk about, and I'm looking forward to doing that with you guys today. Before we start off, just wanted to say a couple things. It was a great week one. It feels so good to be back here talking with you guys on this podcast, talking NFL football. We have a great Thursday night game. The Giants, the Washington football team, both squads at 0-1. And you guys know the worst thing to possibly do to start off an NFL season is to go 0-2. Some other really fascinating games this week we're going to get into. Chargers, Cowboys, Dolphins, Bills. We're going to talk about the Baltimore Ravens and how I think this week could be one of the bigger games in the career of Lamar Jackson just because it really may just have to be all on his shoulders if the Baltimore Ravens beat the Kansas City Chiefs. We saw what they looked like on Monday Night Football. We're going to talk about Urban Meyer, the USC rumors. Those That news has already started swirling around. I wanted to talk about a matchup in the AFC I'm looking forward to the most. We will pick every single game in the NFL In week two, looking forward to that and just another loaded show with you guys here today. Before you start off, if you want to get in contact with me, any of my content, my Instagram, Z-A-C underscore K-R-U-L-L. Then on Twitter, Z-K-R-U-L-L-3. Twitter is really the best place to get in touch with me. I post all of my content on there, all of my graphics, all of my pics, Uh, the Twitter is the best is the best place for me to be and then youtube z-a-c-h-a-r-y-k-r-u-l-l every individual segment of the podcast will be posted there so the nfl is here we had a great couple days looking at everything towards week one and it is now time to talk some football so i hope you guys enjoyed today's show i hope you guys have a great day and stay tuned let's talk some nfl here on the zach kroll sports podcast Okay, so starting off today's show, I wanted to talk about the Baltimore Ravens. And the Ravens are coming off one of the crazier Monday night football games I've ever watched. As if you missed it, the Las Vegas Raiders in the opening game of Allegiant Stadium ended up defeating the Baltimore Ravens by a final score of 33-27 to with that touchdown to end the game to Zay Jones from Derek Carr. And it was a phenomenal game. And throughout the game, if I was a Ravens fan, what would have really frustrated me is not only did I think you were the better team from start to finish, I didn't necessarily think that the score was uh, accurate of the amount of quality football each team was playing. I think the Ravens came in with a solid game plan. They were able to fluster and frustrate Derek Carr early, and still they were not able to just put their foot on the gas and knock out the Las Vegas Raiders and with a loss in the game they really should have won and forget 
all of really the opportunities they missed to start out uh, late in the fourth quarter. But in overtime, their defense came up with a clutch, clutch interception in the red zone when it looked like for a second the Raiders were definitely going to win the game after the big completion to Brian Edwards. They have it at the one-yard line. The Raiders shoot themselves in the foot. And really, over the last couple years, I just feel like that is a mistake that a team like the Baltimore Ravens are usually able to take advantage of. And I totally understand. The Ravens are one of the best-run most underrated organizations in the NFL. I feel like they have been a team that has been good for the last 10 years, and they've been consistent. And even when they're not good, they're always competitive, and they always know when the right time is to make a move at an important position, like quarterback. It was clear that Joe Flacco just wasn't the answer anymore in in Baltimore, and they decided to zig and uh, plan and scheme their offense around a quarterback in Lamar Jackson that, let's be honest, not a lot of people in the NFL really believed in this guy as a, as a quarterback that could be a big-time player, and he has proven everyone wrong, and I think the Ravens and the way they've committed to him as a quarterback, even though they haven't paid him the big-time contract yet, and we're going to get to that a little bit later in this segment, but the Baltimore Ravens, Over the last two to three years, they have run the organization in the perfect way, like a clinic. Steve Bishotti, one of the better owners in the NFL. But I'm just talking about this year and this year alone. Every year, the injury bug seems to bite a team in the preseason, where in a span of a week, you just have a couple of injuries that really could kill your momentum going into the season. And a lot of injuries that especially late in training camp and late uh, before the season starts when, let's be honest, you can't really sign that many quality free agents that can make that big of a difference. The Baltimore Ravens have been that team so far this offseason. They have lost three of their running backs between Justice Hill and J.K. Dobbins, who a lot of people were expecting to break out this season after he ended last season really well, and Gus Edwards, they lost him to a torn ACL. And not to mention, something happened to the Ravens before the start of the season in practice that as a football fan, I don't think I've ever seen before. Have you guys ever heard of a team in practice on back-to-back plays losing two players to torn ACLs. Like, torn ACLs, I know they're common somewhat in sports, and they happen way more than we hope sometimes, but back-to-back plays in practice, when you see two of your big-time players suffer torn ACLs, that is just a killer, especially right before the season starts. That occurred last Thursday, one week from today, and the Ravens, have also lost Marcus Peters, their best corner. The Ravens, what has made their defense so good over the last couple years is Don Wink Martindale's ability to just say, you know what, screw it, I'm blitzing every single play, I'm sending everyone at you. And the reason really over the last couple years why that's been able to work for this Baltimore Ravens team has been because their cornerback duo between Marlon Humphrey and Marcus Peters, that's one of the best duos in the league. And I think we saw on Monday Night Football when Don Wink Martindale failed to adjust to the fact that even though in the beginning of that game, him blitzing and rushing Derek Carr from start uh, to start, it was really working. It forced a turnover. Derek Carr was flustered. It, it seemed like the only guy he was really targeting was Darren Waller, 
And the Ravens failed to adjust because as the game went on, Derek Carr kept on getting more receivers involved. The Raiders' offensive line did a much better job picking up the blitz. And Baltimore, on the first touchdown by the Raiders that we think should have won them the game, Edwards was obviously one yard short. That was on a blitz that the Ravens' pass rushers failed to get home on. And then the eventual game-winning play, the touchdown pass to Zay Jones, Marlon Humphrey just quit on the play. I think he was just that tired from covering uh, the Raiders receivers in man coverage this whole night. And then you go from this spot, a Monday night tough road game, to open the season, you lose a, an overtime game that you should have won, in, and you played an extra quarter. You know, that's the thing about the NFL. Even when you're playing the worst teams, the games are so physical and so fast that you could lose a player. And it's one of those things where when the game ends and you didn't suffer any injuries, that is always a positive, and that is always a blessing that not a lot of people will talk about and that's what makes bye weeks in the NFL so important, especially when it comes to the playoffs. Getting that bye and getting home field advantage is such a huge reward. But anyways, I'm concerned about the Ravens because you know who they play in week two? Albeit it's at home and it's going to be the first game with fans in M&T Bank Stadium in over a year. But they're facing their arch nemesis, Patrick Mahomes, Andy Reid, and the Kansas City Chiefs. And I love Lamar Jackson. I love the Baltimore Ravens, and I think the Ravens should ultimately pay him, and he deserves every single dollar he's going to get because I think when you look at Lamar's resume, uh, you see the MVP. You see the seasons he's been able to produce the last three years. Lamar Jackson has been a consistent winner in the regular season, and no matter what the stats say, I think that is valuable to his team. Here's the problem. They're facing the one team that even when they've been healthy, even when they've been 100%, the Kansas City Chiefs have owned the Baltimore Ravens since Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson have started facing off in 2018. And I think last year was the game that is going to stick out to you guys the most. You guys remember last year at this time, the Baltimore Ravens were talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. It almost seemed a little bit like the Chiefs were in the Baltimore Ravens' heads. And all of a sudden, in that Monday night game, we learned as a country, there is nothing more frightening than a motivated Patrick Mahomes. And the Chiefs not only won that game on the road in Baltimore, I get it, there there wasn't fans there. And with fans in the stands there on Sunday night football, uh, things could change uh, this week. But at the same time, I'm not going to lie to you guys. I think this is a terrible matchup for the Ravens. I think that all they know how to do is to blitz and against this Chiefs offensive line that looked much better in their week one game against the Cleveland Browns. I know Orlando Brown did struggle a little bit, but I loved what the Chiefs rookies and their youngsters on the offensive line were able to do in that game on the right side. Trey Smith, Creed Humphrey, Lucas Niang. Make sure you learn those names right now because last year the Chiefs, we saw what happened to them in the Super Bowl. Their offensive line was embarrassed, and I'm pretty sure that Andy Reid really is not going to let that ever happen again to a team that he's coaching. And the Ravens, I think, could be in trouble in this spot. I think it is a terrible matchup. I expect them to go 0-2. And here's the other thing. The AFC North is better than I expected. Not only that, I think the AFC as a conference is better than I expected. If you look at the AFC North, I'll tell you what. I know the Browns lost that heartbreaking game to the Kansas City Chiefs, and I said on my show last week, if you're a Cleveland Browns fan, this is a game that is super frustrating that you let get away. 
But at the same time, based on that performance, I do feel like the Browns are going to be able to beat the teams they should beat. They're one of the more talented rosters in the NFL. The reason why the Kansas City Chiefs were able to win that game was because the difference in quarterback was so large that it didn't matter how better Cleveland's roster was and it didn't matter how well the Browns executed and their game plan was in the beginning of the game because one team had Patrick Mahomes, the other team didn't. And Cleveland isn't going to be facing Patrick Mahomes each and every week. I think they're going to be a really good team. I think they're going to win a lot of football games. I believe in everything that Kevin Stefanski is building over there in Cleveland. I think that the Steelers, if any defense in the AFC is going to limit Kansas City, it's the Pittsburgh Steelers. TJ Watt is unblockable. He is an absolute freak of nature that is ridiculously hard to stop. Like, he's that good. He deserved every single penny he got from the Steelers with his new contract extension. If Ben Roethlisberger is, just has a little bit left in the tank, and I know even though the Steelers were able to pull out a really nice road win to start off their season against the Buffalo Bills, their defense was really the main reason why they won that game. Even though I do think Ben Roethlisberger was able to extend drives for the Steelers and, and keep their offense on the field with a couple clutch throws. They were able to win the game even without Najee Harris getting going. That was the one thing last year from Pittsburgh that was a real weakness. Their offensive line wasn't good, which it, I, I don't really think it is now, but hey, they played decent against uh, all right Bills defense, but they weren't able to run the football. And I think with Najee Harris, that could be the real game changer in Pittsburgh if their offensive line could just be decent because I like their weapons. I think Chase Claypool is a guy that they need to get the ball more. I think they're a team to watch out for. Even the Cincinnati Bengals, I can't believe I'm saying this, and I'm not a Zach Taylor fan. I think that he's going to be gone from Cincinnati sooner rather than later. But Joe Burrow is a really good quarterback. He's going to win the Bengals games by himself. I think he's that good. I think Jamar Chase and T. Higgins, they're playmakers. I like what Cincinnati has in terms of their weapons and in terms of Joe Burrow and Joe Mixon. You also look at the AFC. The Chargers are a really good team that's going to be in the wild card uh, hunt considering that they're in the AFC West. I think if they were in any other division, they would be a team that could be getting legitimate Super Bowl hype right now. The Broncos looked really good in week one. The Raiders obviously won. New England, Miami, Buffalo. I think the Ravens could be in real trouble considering the amount of massive injuries they have and just considering the fact that the AFC, I expected it to be a good conference, but if you're a Ravens fan, it's scary because it's even better than I expected. And the crazy amount of injuries that you have sustained to start off the season, I just don't know if they're going to have enough considering they're really built to play one style of football, and they're really good at that style usually. But I saw on Monday night, their offensive line was not able to block. And if you can't block, it's really hard to be a good running team. I'm officially worried about the Baltimore Ravens. Starting off today's show, I wanted to address a rumor that has been swirling around of late in the coaching ranks. And if you missed it, this past weekend, the USC Trojans, a team with lofty expectations coming into the season, they took on Stanford and they were a pretty big favorite going into this game at home by about 15 and a half points. They ended up losing the game by multiple touchdowns and that made USC fire their head coach Clay Helton and in the process opening up the first job 
this early in the football season. Now, if you ask many people around college football, they will tell you that they weren't shocked Clay Helton was gone, especially based on what has happened over at USC for the past couple of years. They have been very frustrating in terms of the teams they've had. Clay Helton has done an okay job, an okay recruiter, but the bottom line is USC fans were tired of wanting Clay Helton out. It was only a matter of time. And Urban Meyer, immediately, his name came into the news. And when it comes to Urban Meyer, the main reason I think he was mentioned in these rumors were really two factors. One, his history. Urban Meyer has been a coach that throughout his career, he's been known for turning around different programs. He did a great job at Bowling Green and at Utah and at Florida, obviously, winning multiple national championships there and Ohio State and even though he's been really good at all those places, one thing always stays consistent. One thing always happens. He just flames out. He decides to leave. And it's weird because for a guy who has been such a great coach throughout his career, he hasn't really been able to stay in one place. And a lot of people over the last couple of years since Urban Meyer left Ohio State have been asking themselves for such a elite head coach like Urban Meyer, he, to many people, is the best college football coach they've ever seen, minus Nick Saban. Like, he is a great college coach. He is a winner in college football. But a lot of people were wondering if he would ever consider the NFL. And when it comes to college coaches making the leap to the NFL, I feel like not a lot of people realize just how difficult of an adjustment this actually is. When you're a college coach, especially in Urban Meyer's case, where at Ohio State, let's face the facts, right? This guy was king. He couldn't do anything wrong. He was the leader of a football program that just generated so much revenue for the school. He was the king. He was the guy there. And he could really do whatever he wanted when it came to the players and disciplining them if they did something wrong. He could do whatever he wanted. However, in the pros, it is a totally different animal. When you have to go from the college ranks and the guy who is that big man on campus leading the way, telling everyone what to do, and now you are talking to professional athletes who in some cases are making just as much money as you, and they have many things that they're doing off the field and family members to deal with and kids and literally everything in between, it is very different to coach paid professionals. And I wanted to give Urban Meyer the benefit of the doubt. Even though I had my doubts about him and the Jacksonville Jaguars going into the season, I said, okay, he has Trevor Lawrence, a guy who I, along with many other people, think is the best quarterback prospect we've ever witnessed. A lot of football fans uh, in my close to my age range, Trevor Lawrence is an elite, elite, elite talent. And coming through the college ranks, he was a guy, if you remember, his freshman year at Clemson, he lit up Nick Saban and Alabama in the national championship game. And really, ever since then, this guy, rightfully so, was labeled as the chosen one. And, and as a guy who, whatever NFL team he went to, he was going to be the savior. And I still think Trevor Lawrence could be a really good player in this league, even though he threw three interceptions and the Jaguars lost to a terrible, terrible Houston Texan team in week one. And I think when it comes to Urban Meyer and the Jaguars, this is where my concerns start. It wasn't a great offseason for Urban Meyer after he got the job. 
immediately he hires that strength and conditioning coach from the University of Iowa who was known for being racist and hot-headed, and he was a guy across league circles that was just like, all right, we can't hire this guy. You have to know better than that. So immediately, boom, that causes a big distraction for the Jacksonville Jaguars. Even recently, he came out saying that he was going to prioritize keeping uh, vaccinated players opposed to unvaccinated players, which we all get it. It's true. But, dude, like, what are you doing? You have to know better than that. You can't just be saying that. And when you combine that with everything in Jason LaConfora's report prior to Sunday's game that already Urban Meyer was out here threatening people's jobs on his staff and there was some disconnect between him and the people on his staff that already have NFL coaching experience. I'm not going to lie to you guys. That is a big red flag for me, especially also when you consider the history of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Over the last 20 years, this team doesn't win. No matter who's the head coach, no matter who is the quarterback, besides the one big Blake Bortles year, the Jaguars have been an all-out disaster in recent years and having a college coach that you bring in from Ohio State and once again he was a great college coach I just the more I look at this situation I don't know if Urban Meyer is the proper guy for Trevor Lawrence to go into the future with in Jacksonville and look is he going to USC I don't think so if you missed it he came out right away uh, yesterday in his morning press conference and said quote there is no chance I go to USC And I understand you could take that quote with a grain of salt because Urban Meyer has said plenty of times that there is no chance that he's leaving a certain job. And then what do you you know? Next thing that happens, he's gone from Ohio State. He's gone from the University of Florida. But he has a four-year contract for a lot of money. I don't think he's going to USC. However, can I see him leaving the Jaguars after this season? Yeah, I'm not going to lie. Absolutely. Did anyone see this guy's body language? on Sunday on the sidelines against the Houston Texans. I mean, first of all, the Jaguars didn't even come ready to play. And if you heard Trevor Lawrence in the post-game interview after the game, it almost seemed like he thought that the Jaguars were ready to play. If Urban Meyer had his Jaguars thinking that they were ready to play based on that game plan that they put out there on Sunday, if I'm the Jaguars, that is a huge, huge problem. And I'm not blaming it on Trevor Lawrence. He's a rookie. He's going to do whatever his coaches tell him to do. But the bottom line is, if the Jaguars coaches thought that those players were out there ready to win a football game on Sunday, that is a huge problem because they played the Houston Texans and had Tyrod Taylor out here looking like Deshaun Watson. That is a huge problem. And a quarter into Urban Meyer's NFL coaching career, not only were the Jaguars losing, they were down by two touchdowns against a team that many people expect to be the worst team in the NFL. And his body language was just terrible. It almost looked like right before the game, his dog had cancer or something. Like, it was that bad. And he just let David Culley, a guy who once again... The consensus opinion on him in the league is that he's a very nice guy and they're happy he's getting an opportunity to be a head coach. But let's face it, like he was the wide receiver coach in Kansas City. You remember that year where even though the Chiefs were able to make the playoffs, their uh, whole wide receiving core didn't have a passing uh, touchdown catch the whole season. They didn't have a touchdown reception the whole season. You guys remember 
who the Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver coach was that season? Yeah, it was David Culley. And he ran circles around Urban Meyer. Here's another thing. Look at Urban Meyer's staff. Do we know if these guys are good or not? The Jaguars' offensive coordinator is Daryl Bevel. Ask anyone in Seattle or Detroit what they think about him. His defensive coordinator is Todd Wash, who we don't really know much about, but I watched his defense on Sunday against David Culley, and they got absolutely destroyed by the, uh, by the way, Todd Wash is the former Jaguars defense coordinator. I'll give you guys uh, the proper name right now. Joe Cullen, that is the name of the Jaguars defensive coordinator. Like, he got abused by David Culley last week like that is a huge problem and this week the Jaguars going into a game at home yes but against the Denver Broncos and we saw what the Broncos were able to do on Sunday against the New York Giants that was actually one of the better games that I've ever seen Teddy Bridgewater play like Urban Meyer we've seen this plenty of times in the NFL with guys like Bobby Petrino even Nick Saban a guy who many people consider to be the best coach in the history of college football. He couldn't handle the NFL. The two leagues are that different. It is that hard to win in the NFL, and you just have to have the right attitude with the right sense for these players. And look, the Jaguars are a team that won what? One football game last year, even though they did bring in a lot of talent to help improve their team this season. We all knew that the Jaguars, at most, were going to win, what, five to six games? The problem is you just didn't want to see them get absolutely destroyed and show really no hope like they did on Sunday against the Houston Texans. And when it comes to Trevor Lawrence, we saw this kid play in Clemson, and he was one of the best prospects we've ever seen. And for some reason, this past offseason, a common question when it comes to all of the rookie quarterbacks were, which one long-term is going to have the best career. And part of the reason why the NFL is so good is even though the quarterback position is the most important position in the league, and I don't think you could win big-time championships and Super Bowls if you don't have a quarterback that is at least willing to make some big-time throws, like, you just don't have a chance. And the Jaguars got the guy that many people predicted to be the next chosen one and the next big-time quarterback in this league, and still, because their organization and whatever is around him is so bad... It's not looking like they could take advantage of Trevor Lawrence, at least to start. And there's a reason why when asked which quarterback in this rookie class is going to have the best career and why, a lot of people's answer, and smartfully, had to do with the situation around the quarterback. And smartfully, I just made up that word. Smartly, I should say. Um, It has to do with the situation around that quarterback. And we look at Trevor Lawrence's situation around him, yeah, it's not good. There's a reason why no one is answering that question, Trevor Lawrence. And Trevor Lawrence just so happens to be the guy who we all declare the chosen one and the next big-time quarterback prospect during his days at Clemson. Urban Meyer and the Jaguars are in trouble. His body language was absolutely awful. And as we end this segment, and I look at the Jacksonville Jaguars schedule, they have to host Denver. They have to host Arizona the next two games, or they will, uh, yeah, they will host Denver and Arizona the next two games. Go to Cincinnati, host Tennessee, 
host Miami, go to Seattle. Like, are these the games that we think Urban Meyer is going to win? I'm not sure. Maybe the Falcons at home could be a win. And I'm not saying the Jaguars are going to go 0-17, but I will say, if I'm a Jaguars fan, there's no doubt about it. I am seriously panicking. Okay, moving on to the next segment of today's show. There is one game in particular happening this Sunday in the AFC that I don't think enough people are talking about. And I totally understand. It is the NFL. Part of what makes this league, in my opinion, the best is that on any Sunday, any fan of any team could be watching any game, whether it's on Red Zone, whether it's on the NFL Sunday ticket, and especially early in the season, these games matter. There are 17 games. You only have 17 opportunities to show everyone how good you are and to chip away at playoff wins. And the game that I wanted to talk about in the AFC that I don't think is getting enough attention this week is 1 o'clock in the AFC East, the Buffalo Bills heading to South Beach to take on the Miami Dolphins. And you guys know the story with these two teams. The Buffalo Bills are a team that this season, going into it, it had a lot of hype. This is a season where Bills fans in Orchard Park, New York, for the first time in a while, really had some Super Bowl expectations. There were plenty of people saying that if anyone in the AFC could beat down and challenge the Kansas City Chiefs, it's going to be the Buffalo Bills. And they were in the news a little bit this offseason as they decided to pay their young quarterback, Josh Allen, the mega contract, making him one of the two or three most highest paid quarterbacks in the NFL. And it's weird with Josh Allen because... He was always a guy that coming out of college, he was big, he was raw, he was athletic, he had a huge arm. But to be honest with you, I was concerned about his accuracy. I was concerned about the fact that he was playing in the Mountain West at uh, Wyoming. And when you transfer that to the NFL, where in his first couple years, the Buffalo Bills really didn't do that good of a job surrounding him with the proper weapons. He struggled in his first year. He was legitimately a bad NFL quarterback as a rookie. In year two, he got better. I'll give him credit. He was able to bring the Buffalo Bills to the playoffs, and he had a lot of Bills fans optimistic. But you guys remember that playoff game against the Houston Texans? They totally fell apart in that game. I remember in the beginning, Josh Allen was looking really good. He was catching touchdowns in the end zone. But then in the second half of that game, he absolutely choked it away. And it was just clear Deshaun Watson on the other sideline for the Houston Texans was the better quarterback. And then last year, albeit with no fans in the stand, it was a weird year. Josh Allen balled out. He put himself on the map. And really, in most people's eyes, he was considered one of the best quarterbacks in the league and an MVP candidate. However, even though Josh Allen was really good last year, there were still some moments where I watched him and I said, wow, what are we doing here? He would make two or three throws a game that really would just make you scratch your head and you're thinking to yourself, what did I just watch? And I think part of what makes the Bills such an interesting case study, their young quarterback is only getting better, but around the quarterback position, I really like what their head coach, Sean McDermott, and their GM, Brandon Bean, have been able to do in terms of the way they've built the team. They realized that two years ago, they had a young quarterback that flat out needed to be better, 
and they made one of the most impactful moves of the offseason by bringing in Stephon Diggs, who was arguably the best wide receiver in the NFL a season ago. They also improved the offensive line. They brought in uh, John Brown, who was a nice player for the Bills uh, two years ago, Cole Beasley, Emmanuel Sanders. like These were all guys that were significantly better than Zay Jones and Kelvin Benjamin, who were the top two Buffalo Bills wide receivers when Josh Allen first got there. However, last year, I think the Bills were better than anyone could have expected. That was a crazy season. They had the best season they've ever had offensively, setting franchise records in points and touchdowns. It was just an insane season. However, what I noticed a lot was the reason why the Buffalo Bills were so good last year was solely because of their offense. Two years ago, when Josh Allen was struggling, and they were still able to make the playoffs, if you actually watch those games, they really did a good job taking the pressure off of their young quarterback's shoulders by running the football, having a good offensive line, having a good defense. And last year, even though the quarterback was great and the offense was historically good and they won the AFC East in two playoff games, those are all great. And the Buffalo Bills deserves, deserve so much credit for that. But I think that win and the success they had kind of blinded you to the weaknesses they had around the other team just because Buffalo was so excited to have a, a good football team. You guys know how hungry Buffalo Bills fans are to finally win a Super Bowl after going to four straight Super Bowls in the early 90s and not being able to get the job done. And for the past 20 years, let's be honest, the Bills haven't really been that relevant of an NFL football team. And last year, they finally provided some optimism to Buffalo. So I understand why they had a lot of hype going into this season. However, as a true football fan, I wasn't 100% sure that the Buffalo Bills were going to win the AFC East this season because as good as they were, I think there are some other teams, especially in the AFC, in terms of the top challengers to Kansas City that could match up with Buffalo. A common question being asked before the season started and a common question being asked now after one week and obviously what makes the NFL such a great game to talk about is the typical week one overreactions and I'm really not trying to overreact but the Buffalo Bills offense was shut down by a very good Pittsburgh Steelers defense and it's one game I'm really not trying to set off the panic buttons for the Buffalo Bills especially given what this offense was able to do last year but when I compare their talent on offense to some other teams in the league besides Stefan Diggs if you're a defensive coordinator in the NFL who exactly on the Buffalo Bills scares you not named Stefan Diggs Cole Beasley Emmanuel Sanders Devin Singletary Dawson Knox the Bills can't run the football so when I'm comparing Buffalo to some of the other teams in the AFC like the Chargers who have weapons galore Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, I love this kid, Jalen Guyton, Jared Cook, Austin Eckler. They have some weapons, and I think their defense is better than the Buffalo Bills. The Chargers have Joey Bosa and Derwin James, two dogs, two top-notch guys that could make plays. I love Jordan Poyer. I love Micah Hyde. But are those guys, like, game-changing players? Not unless a quarterback like Ben Roethlisberger or Lamar Jackson is throwing a pick-six right to them. Like, I just don't know how good the Buffalo Bills are going to be if Josh Allen doesn't have the same crazy season as he had last year and to be honest with you I don't think Josh Allen for the rest of his career 
is going to be that same quarterback we saw last season. Because last season was just too insanely good. He was literally the most improved player in NFL history last year. It was a phenomenal season. He deserves credit. But I just want to see him put up those numbers again for a full season. And last year was so good. I just think it's unfair for me to expect those numbers again. Miami Dolphins. These guys were actually my pick to win the AFC East. And to be honest, I'm not going anywhere away from it. I think the Miami Dolphins being able to get the win in Foxborough in week one, when really the whole world was just saying for the whole offseason how bad of a quarterback Tua Tugavailoa is. And I totally understand his first year in the NFL, he wasn't perfect. But at the same time, I think we have to consider all of the circumstances that were going against him. This guy clearly wasn't healthy last year. He had that brutal hip injury uh, towards the back end of his Alabama career. He had that surgery, and considering there was no preseason, considering training camp and everything that was going on there, it wasn't a normal offseason for Tua. He wasn't healthy. And let's be honest, his weapons last year weren't good, especially when you compare them to what he has now. Last year, he was thrown to Jakeem Grant and guys like that. Uh, uh, Another receiver from Rutgers, I'm blanking on his name. But, like, Jakeem Grant and Isaiah Ford, that's who I was thinking of. Isaiah Ford. Like, now he has Jalen Waddell and Will Fuller, who I totally uh, understand didn't play in week one. But Tua has better weapons. He has a running game. He has a better offensive coordinator. Did anyone watch Chan Gailey? called plays for the Miami Dolphins last year. That offense was straight out of World War II. The Dolphins weren't asking Tua last year to throw the ball more than 10 yards. And I understand he wasn't healthy, but let's face the facts, guys. This guy dropped dimes at Alabama. I don't think he just forgot how to play football all of a sudden. And even better if you're a Dolphin fan, I don't think you need Tua Tugavailoa to be the next Brett Favre in order for your football team to win games. I really don't. Has anyone watched the Dolphins' defense? Every time I watch these guys, I feel like they're forcing a big turnover in a big spot. They have now forced turnovers in what? I believe it's 23 consecutive games, which is the longest active streak in the NFL. And I totally understand, historically, Bill Belichick disciples have not been able to get the job done as a head coach. When you look at Matt Patricia, when you look at Charlie Weiss and Bill O'Brien, guys like that. But Brian Flores is a different cat, man. This guy is tough And I think his team reflects it. He always has his team ready to play. The Dolphins could run the ball with Miles Gaskin. I think Jalen Waddell and the chemistry that he had with Tua from Alabama, there's a reason why the Dolphins drafted him over a guy like Devontae Smith or even a Panay Sewell. There's a reason they took him. I think Jalen Waddell could be an absolute star in this league. And I don't think Tua is in that bad of a position uh, if he wants to be a good quarterback in the NFL. We always talk about how much situation means to these young quarterbacks. And I'm going to predict it. We're going to have our predictions coming up on the next segment of today's show. I do like the Miami Dolphins to beat the Buffalo Bills in week two based on their defense and their uh, unit's ability to always force big turnovers. I'm going to say it. I think the Dolphins had the best secondary in the NFL. Xavier Howard forcing the fumble on Damian Harris. 
Byron Jones is a really good second corner to have. I love the young safety they drafted uh, from Oregon, Javante Holland. And this kid, Jalen Phillips, I know he wasn't great in week one, but I think he's going to be a big-time player uh, as a pass rusher for Miami. I love the other linebacker they got in the middle there that they just signed uh, to the big uh, extension uh, this offseason. Oh, I'm blanking on his name, but I'll, I'll tell you in a second. But this Dolphins team is a unit. They are always on the same page. They're always ready to play. Jerome Baker, that was the guy I was thinking of. But hey, man, Brian Flores always has his guys ready to play. They're always ready to go. I think the Dolphins offensive line is improving. I think they beat Buffalo. I think they are the better, well-rounded team. Without further ado, every Thursday to end off the episode of the Zach Curl Sports Podcast, I will be giving you guys my picks for the upcoming week of the NFL season. Week one, we were recording the divisional previews on Thursday. That episode dropped, so we didn't get a chance to pick all of the week one games on the show. We did get the Thursday night game right. I ended up going 9-7. and seven. If you are interested in my picks more, go to my Twitter, ZKRU. LL3 to see each and every one. They they are posted on Sunday before the games, but why wait? I will give them to you right now. Without further ado, I'll hit the music. It is time for my week two NFL picks. In week one, we went nine and seven. We're obviously going to be doing better than that. Week one, in my opinion, seriously, is one of the harder weeks to pick in the NFL. Hit the music. Let's do it. Thursday night football, Giants, Washington football team. This is such a big game. You always know what they say about teams who start off the season 0-2. Usually, it is not the recipe to get yourself into the playoffs. It is a hard, hard road to recover from when you start off the season 0-2. And the crazy thing about this game is going into the season... Both teams really had legitimate playoff expectations. They did. The Giants, they had a decent year last year. I think they won some games they weren't necessarily supposed to based on Joe Judge and the fact that he always had his team ready to play. But my worry about the New York Giants is the quarterback position, and I'm going to say it right here. Even though Ryan Fitzpatrick got hurt for the Washington football team, I think Taylor Heineke is the better quarterback in this game than Daniel Jones. I think Washington might just be better off with Taylor Heineke as their starting quarterback. I was really impressed with what this guy was able to do in that playoff game against Tampa Bay. He didn't play badly in the game against the Los Angeles Chargers when he had to come in and rescue uh, Washington from the Fitzpatrick injury. But I do like the Washington football team. I think their defense is better. I think their pass rush is really going to be able to get going against the New York Giants. Banged up offensive line. I think Daniel Jones turns the ball over a couple times. Give me the football team of Washington to get the job done over the Giants. Sunday, 1 o'clock. Let's get into it. San Francisco 49ers. Philadelphia Eagles. Now, both of these two teams started off 1-0. And the 49ers played really well for the first three and a half quarters of that game against the Detroit Lions. But then all of a sudden, you turn around 
you look at your TV and you say to yourself, holy cow, the 49ers, this is a one-possession game. And finally, their defense stepped up. They made a play late. They stopped Jared Goff. And the 49ers ended up getting the victory. But I don't love the way how that game ended. And you're hearing all the rumblings going around Kyle Shanahan and Brandon Ayuk in 49ers practice. Ayuk, I was very surprised. He's in the doghouse right now. He's not really able to get on the field because last year he was one of the more dynamic young receivers in the NFL. So with that being said, I'm going to take the Eagles in this game. I was so impressed with what I saw from Jalen Hurts Sunday in Atlanta. And I get it. It's the Falcons. That was a pathetic effort by Atlanta getting blown out at home by the Philadelphia Eagles. First game with Arthur Smith. They weren't even even able to score a touchdown. That was terrible. I was impressed with the Eagles. They have more talent than you think. And I don't know. I just don't have some great vibes around the 49ers right now. I do think they're a playoff team. I think they'll be fine. And Jimmy Garoppolo actually played, played really well in that game against Detroit. But there's something about this Eagle team, man. There's something about Jalen Hurts. I will take Philadelphia to pull the upset win over the 49ers. <laughs> Another upset I'm going to pick. Well, it's an upset in Vegas. I don't really think it's an upset. I had the Miami Dolphins winning the AFC East over the Buffalo Bills before the start of the season. So why would I go against it now? I will take Miami to get the win over Buffalo. I think the Bills, as great of a season as they had last year, they were just primed for some regression. Their offense was just too good and too dynamic to be able to do that two years in a row. And I love this Dolphins defense. Playing at home, they are always able to force the timely turnover Brian Flores is going to be motivated to win this game as great of a head coach as he's been throughout his NFL career so far. For some reason, the Dolphins have not been able to beat Sean McDermott and the Buffalo Bills. I think that changes here. I think their defense comes ready to play. The best secondary in the NFL comes ready to play. And I'm actually going to predict that Josh Allen may have some trouble for the second week in a row. And the Bills, a team that a lot of people had going into this season as a possible Super Bowl contender, I think they could be a little bit worried heading into week three. I'll take Miami to start off their season 2-0 and get the win over Buffalo. Another divisional matchup. Let's go to the NFC. Two 1-0 teams. The New Orleans Saints. The Carolina Panthers. I was really impressed with what New Orleans was able to do against the Green Bay Packers. The effort that we saw from Jameis Winston, really since he's gotten to New Orleans, it's been impressive. He took the back seat behind Drew Brees. He was ready to learn. And I do think on Sunday, we saw that a prepared Jameis Winston is a very dangerous and a very talented football player. But with that being said, I'm going to take the Panthers to win this football game. If you've listened to this show, you will know the Panthers were my surprise playoff team in the NFC. And against the Jets, I totally understand, right? That's a hard game to judge them on because even though their defense played really well and did a good job being able to get to the quarterback at many times throughout the game, that New York Jet offensive line is putrid. And the Saints offensive line is significantly better. But I believe in Matt Rule. I believe in Joe Brady. And I believe in the weapons around Sam Darnold. I think the Saints 
considering everything they've been going through of late, moving around with the Hurricane. I think it catches up to them here in a road divisional matchup. I'm going to take the Carolina Panthers to get the win over the Saints in Matt Rule, in Sam Darnold, we trust. The Las Vegas Raiders head to Pittsburgh to take on the Steelers. Both of these teams are 1-0. and And I'll start off by saying this. I wanted to give the Raiders defense credit for the way they were able to step up in that Monday night football game against the Ravens. The fact that they were able to force those two, two turnovers, in my opinion, you, you can make the argument like that's the reason why the Raiders were able to win that game. But I have a hard time seeing them do that on again on the road in a short week against these Pittsburgh Steelers. Pittsburgh had a really impressive week one win. Their defense showed me that they are still one of the two or three best defensive units in all football. I think we saw that TJ Watt was worth every single penny that the Steelers decided to pay him. He is a big time player and I like the Steelers in this game. At home, their defense is going to be making plays. I don't think the Raiders are going to play as well in the trenches as they did last week. And in terms of defenses that could win you games, and in terms of defenses that could just make big-time plays all over the field and possibly limit the Kansas City Chiefs in the playoffs, for me, the defense at the top of that list is the Pittsburgh Steelers behind T.J. Watt, and Minka Fitzpatrick, I think Pittsburgh wins this game over the Raiders and starts 2-0. The Los Angeles Rams, they're sitting at 1-0 following their big-time Sunday night football win against the Chicago Bears. They're going to head on the road to Indianapolis as the Colts, for the second week in a row, will take on an NFC West team at home. And I'm going to take the Rams in this game. I just think the Rams are better. And I picked the the Colts to win the AFC South before the season started. I have breaking news for you guys. The AFC South stinks. And a lot of people have been talking about the NFC North and just how bad of a division that has looked recently. And I totally get it. But at the same time, I think the AFC South is just as worse. Indianapolis and Tennessee both did not look good at all in week one. And I think the Rams are one of the three or four best teams in the NFL. I just think they're better. You obviously have to worry a little bit about West Coast teams flying east and the fact that you can never count out a Frank Reich coach team, especially with that defense, especially with that offensive line. But Matthew Stafford looked too confident on Sunday Night Football, man. He did. I believe in Sean McVay. I believe in the Rams to come on the road to Lucas Oil Stadium prepared and ready to get the job done. I will take the Rams to start their season off 2-0 and beat the Colts. Let's go to the AFC East. Another matchup between a 1-0 and 0-1 team. The Patriots and the Jets. And, or excuse me, this is a battle between two 0-1 teams. I was out here giving New England that week one victory over Miami. We know that didn't happen. Um, I'm going to take the Patriots to win this game. It's a tough, tough spot for Zach Wilson as a young rookie quarterback going up against a Bill Belichick coach defense. And I get it. The Patriots last week, they showed some flaws. They showed some good things. Matt Jones is, certainly isn't perfect, but I just think the situation that he is in with New England is significantly better than the situation the young quarterback Zach Wilson is in in New York. The Jets 
couldn't block at all. And I do think the Patriots' pass rush is good. They played well last week. Matthew Judon looked about as good as you could ask for for the New England Patriots. I think the Patriots come in hungry in this game. They're going to come ready to play. I will take New England to get the win over the Jets. The Cincinnati Bengals. They will head on the road with the record of 1-0, taking on the 0-1 Chicago Bears. And this is going to be the Bears' first home game in front of fans in about a year. And I'm going to say this. Andy Dalton is starting for the Cincinnati or for the Chicago Bears against his former team, the Cincinnati Bengals. I do think Andy Dalton is going to come ready to play. He spoke a lot in this offseason about how this was his year, it was his time, and Andy, I'm sorry. I just don't think it's going to work in this spot. Number one, if the Bears are losing at any time in this game, you know what we're going to hear. We want fields. We want fields. I mean, for God's sakes, we heard it in the preseason. Andy Dalton was playing the first quarter of preseason games, and the Chicago Bears fans were so excited, and they wanted Justin Fields. I mean, that preseason game against the Dolphins when he was out here throwing dimes through that long touchdown pass, and the Chicago Bear fans were going crazy, that was one of the best moments of the preseason. You could tell just how desperate Chicago Bear fans are for a franchise quarterback, but Bears fans, I'm sorry. I think the real franchise quarterback in this game is the one on the other sideline. Joe Exotic and the Cincinnati Bengals will be my pick to beat the Chicago Bears. Watch that game against the Vikings. Joe Burrow put the team on his back, and he said, we're not losing. I respect that guy a ton. I think he's the best quarterback in this game. I believe in the Bengals to get the Week 2 win over the Bears. The Broncos, they will head to Jacksonville to take on the Jaguars. I can't trust Urban Meyer. I mean, seriously, can we trust Urban Meyer at this point? We can't. And I understand it's at home. I think the Jaguars are going to show us a much better effort this week than they did last week against the Houston Texans. And let's face the facts. If we don't see a better effort from the Jaguars in this spot, then they're in more trouble than I expected. And it would really be clear to me that these players just have no interest in playing for Urban Meyer anymore. But when we look at the Denver Broncos, they look good in week one, man. I'm not going to lie. That was one of the better games I saw Teddy Bridgewater play in his career, even without Jerry Judy. I think they have the talent advantage. And for a head coach in Vic Fangio, let's face it, he has to win this year or else he's not going to have a job. I think this is a game the Broncos come out and win. I will take Denver to beat Jacksonville. Moving on, Houston and Cleveland. It's crazy because Houston in this game is 1-0. Cleveland is 0-1, and the Browns are obviously the significant favorite. I will take Cleveland to win. I think one thing that we are going to see consistently with these Cleveland Browns throughout the season is that when they're playing bad teams, and more specifically, teams that they should be beating, they're going to come through. They have the best offensive line in football. They have one of the best rushing attacks in football. And more importantly, Their head coach knows that in order for their team to win games, he doesn't need to have Baker Mayfield just throwing the ball all over the field, which could lead to possible turnovers. I think the Texans played well last week, but that game was just a result of the Jacksonville Jaguars being putrid. I don't think David Culley is going to be able to outcoach Kevin Stefanski like he did with Urban Meyer last week. I just think the Browns at home 
playing in front of fans. You know those fans are going to be excited. They're clearly the better team. I will take Cleveland to get the win over Houston. Let's go now to the 4 o'clock games in Atlanta heading to Tampa Bay. The Falcons were an absolute embarrassment last week. If you want to lose to the Eagles, that's one thing. But they didn't even show up. They weren't even ready to play. The Eagles just blitzed them, and it wasn't really close from there. Jalen Hurts deserves credit. The Eagles' defense deserves credit. But the fact the Falcons couldn't even score a touchdown at home against the Eagles, a team that their owner came out in the offseason and said, this is going to be a year in transition for the Philadelphia Eagles. I don't love that whatsoever. I'm going to take the Buccaneers, obviously, in this one. I don't think Tampa Bay played their best game in week one that they're capable of. That game should not have been really close at all. But the Buccaneers just kept on keeping the Cowboys in the game with their own costly mistakes, shooting themselves in the foot. I think they're too good of a team to keep that up. I will take the Buccaneers to get the win over the Falcons. Continuing with the 405 games, let's go now to Arizona. The Valley of the Sun between the 1-0 Arizona Cardinals, a team that had a really impressive win last week against the Tennessee Titans going on the road, getting the job done there. They will take on Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings. They had a bad loss in week one against the Bengals. That's a game most of the time I do think the Vikings should be winning. But I'll say this. I was very hesitant on the Arizona Cardinals going into the season just because of the way they collapsed down the stretch last year. In my opinion, they should have been a clear playoff team, and they weren't. And to be honest with you, at home, after what they did last week, and considering the fact that they play in a tough NFC West, go win this game at home. I'll take them to win this game. I love what Kyler Murray was able to do in week one. He looked like a dark horse MVP candidate slinging the ball all over the field. You see that as more time goes on, him and DeAndre Hopkins are getting more and more comfortable playing with each other. But they're just better than Minnesota, in my opinion, man. And with that being said, having that game at home with fans in the building, go out and get the win. There's no excuses. You have the better quarterback in this game. I think you're the more talented team. And the Vikings were they were disappointing last week, man. Their defense had many times to get off the field and win them the game, and they couldn't get the job done. I will take the Cardinals to win this game. I'm out on the Vikings. I'll take the better quarterback at home. This is a big one. The Dallas Cowboys coming off a heartbreaking loss on opening night to the Bucks. They will head to L.A. to take on the Chargers. This will be the Chargers' first game at SoFi Stadium with fans, and I love the Chargers in this game. Have you seen what's been going on with the Dallas Cowboys of late? Demarcus Lawrence, hurt. He's out six to eight weeks. Randy Gregory placed on COVID. We know what the deal is with Zach Martin. Lyle Collins, he didn't show up to his drug test. He gets suspended for four or five games. The Cowboys are losing too many bodies. And more importantly, Dak Prescott looked good in the Thursday night game against the Buccaneers. I don't want to just, you know, hate on him. He looked good, and his arm looked fine. He made some big-time plays. But I think the Chargers have the better quarterback in this game. I really do. Justin Herbert showed me last week against the Washington football team that he refused to get off that football field, and he delivered for the Los Angeles Chargers. He made so many timely throws when his team needed it the most. I will take the Chargers 
based on their talent on both sides of the ball. I think they have the advantage really on both sides. I think their defense is better. Joey Bosa, Derwin James are back healthy. I think if those two guys stay healthy, you could absolutely make the argument that in the AFC, the biggest threat to the Kansas City Chiefs might just be their division rival, the Los Angeles Chargers. It really might be. I was so impressed with the way Justin Herbert and Rashawn Slater were able to handle the Washington football team. I'll take the Chargers. I like Seattle to get the win over Tennessee in the other 4 o'clock game. I was disappointed with the Titans. I don't know how you let a team, even if it is a very talented Cardinal team, come into your own building on opening day and just kick your ass the way the Arizona Cardinals did to the Tennessee Titans. And I'm not going to lie. I have my worries about the Tennessee Titans. Not only the fact that they lost Arthur Smith, one of the better offensive coordinators in the league, but they bring in Todd Dowling, who during his first stint as an offensive coordinator in the NFL with the Raiders, he stunk. He was terrible. On the other hand, the Seahawks and their new offensive coordinator, Shane Waldron, coming in from L.A., he did a really good job in week one, letting Russell Wilson cook. Russell looked comfortable in the offense. And I think the Seahawks had one of the more impressive wins in week one that not a lot of people are talking about. I understand it's the same thing just about every year with Seattle. They get off to this great start, and usually as the season goes on, they're not able to handle and keep up the expectations. But I was really impressed, and I think in week two, they're in a nice spot. I will take Seattle to get the win at home in front of the 12s for the first time in over a year over Tennessee. You hear the music. Sunday Night Football, Chiefs, Ravens, let's do it. I love the Chiefs in this game. I think it's an impossible spot for the Ravens. Coming off of a short week without Ronnie Stanley, without Marcus Peters, without Gus Edwards and J.K. Dobbins, and the fact that their offensive line on Monday Night Football looked like they couldn't even block me. And then you look at the other side, the Chiefs. They're a team whose offensive line looks much improved, especially on the right side. Lamar Jackson has had trouble playing against Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs throughout his career. You remember last year, these two teams played a primetime game in Baltimore, and Lamar Jackson barely had over 100 yards. I actually think he didn't have 100 yards passing. Patrick Mahomes had five touchdowns. I think this is a mismatch. I think Baltimore could be in trouble. And once again, the injury bug just unfortunately caught up to them. I like Kansas City to get the win over Baltimore. And that's perfect timing. You hear the music. Monday Night Football, Lions and the Packers. I think this is going to be a game where the Green Bay Packers just got absolutely blown out last week. And we totally understand that. So they're going to come out with a vengeance. They're going to come out ready to play in this one against the Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell. The Lions are a team that showed me a better effort than many would expect last week. However, with that being said, I just don't think they're going to be able to outscore Green Bay at Lambeau Field playing in front of the fans. I expect a much better effort from the Packers here. And let's just say this, if they don't, we have serious, serious problems. So I will take Green Bay to get the win in Monday Night Football. That would be my survivor pick of the week as well. In week one, I went with the Rams. So Rams in week one in the survivor pool. Packers in week two. And to recap my picks, Washington over the Giants. Eagles over the Niners. Dolphins over the Bills. Panthers over the Saints. 
Steelers over the Raiders, Rams over the Colts, Patriots over the Jets, Bengals over the Bears, Broncos over the Jags, Browns over the Texans, Bucks over the Falcons, Cardinals over the Vikings, Chargers over the Cowboys, Seahawks over the Titans, Chiefs over the Ravens, Packers over the Lions. Everyone have a great week of football. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy the weekend. And I'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. Episodes will drop multiple times a week as we go over all the most interesting storylines in all of sports. Look forward to talking some football, some college basketball, everything in between. And there is just nothing better than talking sports with you guys on this show. Thanks for listening once again. If you want to get in contact with me, the Instagram, Z-A-C underscore K-R-U-L-L. Twitter at Z-K-R-U-L-L-3. YouTube, Z-A-C-H-A-R-Y-K-R-U-L-L. This was the Zach Kroll Sports Podcast. Everyone have a good one.